0: Welcome to another episode of Confessions of Awee Itemersbushi. This is your host, Menion, also known as Rob. So this is the third attempt for, of me to put out an episode in, I don't, I don't know how long, perhaps six weeks or two months or something like that. It's been quite difficult really to to gather my thoughts together and whenever i've gone out for a walk to give a recap or to discuss some of the things that interest me within the hobby i'm not really i've not been that happy with the results the end result which has been quite negative in some ways and i think i've come across um in a way that i came across in a way that i wasn't really very happy with so uh, i've kind of ditched those who knows i mean they may see the light of day some of those recordings but um I don't have any plans as yet because, no, I, I, it's just not what I want to do. So um, I want to keep this short, which is very difficult for me. And I'm going to talk about a few things today. Um, this is October and currently, for the first time ever, I believe, in the history of role playing games, we have something called the OSR October, uh, which is on Twitter known as the OSR October, I guess, or October OSR or all sorts of different terms. Uh, um abbreviations and acronyms, but um, you probably have never heard of this, and so I'm just going to give a uh, spend a little bit of time just explain what that is. So the OSR you might not even heard of. The OSR is the old school something R right. That R could be revival or renaissance or whatever you like it to mean. Um, and the OSR is a a movement that some might say has has um moved past its sell by date. Um. I'm not sure if that's true at all. Uh, I think the old school renaissance started in the early 2000s, uh, early to mid 2000s. Um, I wasn't in the game scene at that time, so I'm not going to go too much into detail of why that's that movement appeared amongst gamers. But it is uh, largely a DIY uh, movement. That is to say people started to say well let's get back to the roots of the game where people actually made their own content they made their own dungeons they uh they developed their own home rules and sometimes they would put them into magazines and that's the kind of movement that the osr is um it revolves around uh it's very closely associated with perhaps is a better way of saying tsr era dungeons and dragons um but it's often confused with other games uh, old school games so there is uh, some uncertainty as to what really um constitutes an OSR game but there are still many OSR games out there um being played and coming out um and I have a few in front of me but before I go on to that I just want to say that um if you're interested in the OSR October and some of the uh, really exciting ideas that are coming out of that movement still today, I uh, recommend you listen to Clerics Wear Ringmail uh, podcast or Bandits Keep podcast and YouTube channel. Actually, I think the Clerics has a YouTube channel too. Also, Red Cap, Red Cap podcast. Oh my goodness, have I got the name right? It's not the Red Cap Diaries, is it? I'm getting uh, confused with something else. Um, which I, I listen to all the time, uh, but unfortunately the name is not coming out quite right. Perhaps I'll add these to the show notes so that you can get more concrete information. And of course, uh, Down in the Heap uh, podcast. Now, Down in the Heap is another podcast that uh, is in the anchors sphere. the year. Now, there are other people definitely podcasting about the OSR October at the moment but I just wanted to put those ones up just now because they have been uh, making a great effort to put episodes out every day inundating us inundating me with a huge amount of information uh, beautiful information loads of great ideas the revisiting of uh, central concepts core concepts to our hobby um, but it's been so much that uh, I'm really having difficulty keeping up with everything uh, and this is the same uh, problem that I often run into when there's the um, art RPG, oh my goodness, what do they call it, the RPG thing that they do every year, yeah, uh, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know, I'll, I'll put that in the notes as well, but um, you you see what I mean? There's so much stuff being developed by um, professionals, yeah, you know, semi professionals, and also uh, complete amateurs like myself. Um, I'm not putting it much out. This is my attempt to sort of contribute to the OSR October in a very limited way. So if you want to get more of the nitty gritty, some more detail and some more ideas about what OSR October is and some of these wonderful ideas that are still buzzing around um, the, the, let's call it a community for argument's sake. Um, yeah, give, give those guys a listen. Right. I want to get on to the next topic. And the next topic is, yeah, um, I've got some books I want to introduce. I've had some books arrived over the past few months, and um, role-playing books, of course. I'm not going to introduce all of the uh, things that I've got, although I have, I should note, I sh- have been trying to kind of limit myself a little bit, restrict the number of games that I'm buying. Um, part of this is the uh, economic situation. Buying stuff through drive-through RPG has become extraordinarily expensive. The uh, the yen dollar yen rate has just uh, reached a, I think it's a thirty year low or something, it's just awful, really, really bad. Uh, so anything that I purchase, I'm purchasing at an extraordinary price, um, basically because it's very hard for the for the government to to. To maintain its fiscal policy um, Against the the power of the dollar Against the the might of the US economic machine Um, And I know other currencies are also suffering from this So this is uh, quite quite unusual times uh, um, And I know nothing about economics This is not an economics um, podcast So we'll we'll leave that there But yeah, for that reason um, And also for... um, I guess um, other reasons, the, the fact that I I really don't need all that much stuff um, in my life, uh, so I wanna I don't want to use the word declutter, but I certainly want to to decrease the the number of games that are on my shelves and, and focus on the stuff that I have as much as possible. But there will always be one or two things that catch my eye, and this is one such uh, event. And I wish to uh, share some of the things that I have actually made an effort to purchase. Right, uh, that was a long-winded way of saying, I have a copy of Warlock Traitor's edition um, here. This is the second edition, basically the same as the first, but with some of the layout and art has been changed, and I think there's been some some uh, corrections in there, some errata has been rewritten. I've actually read the uh, PDF of the first and this one already. Um, so it's a it's a nice book um, One of the guys in the role-playing group The main face-to-face role-playing group That I run in or run adventures for uh, Recommended this And um, yeah, a couple of guys own this now uh, In the group So it's a possibility we might roll this out um, It's not an OSR game uh, as such but it has it comes from an OSR tradition um, the game as i understand it draws very strongly upon um uh, some of the like the core mechanics of fighting fantasy the fighting fantasy game books and introduces some other ideas including the skills and occupation uh, based uh, system ideas from early warhammer fantasy roleplay um, and by combining those two uh, kind of slightly disparate ideas, it comes up with a a game that is quite um, simple to play but has some depth to it. So a very interesting game. Um, and if I get this to the table, I'll no doubt become quite enthralled with it and subject you all with various reports and recaps upon that system, about that system. Um, the next thing I have up for you is a game. Um, called the Black Sword Hack. It says here a game by Kobayashi, made Kobay Kobayashi. Very Japanese. I can't understand why I didn't manage to pronounce that better. Um, made with the Black Hack, so it's using the Black Hack rules, which I've never um actually bought or owned, but I have on high authority that it is a a fantastic, uh, very simple. Um, system that draws heavily from Dungeons and Dragons but develops the ideas in a slightly different direction. So again, is this OSR? Is it an old-school old, school se- uh, old school, uh, Renaissance game um, or is it not? Because while it does draw very heavily on the TSR um, era Dungeons and Dragons system, it spins it in a very different uh, direction, a different way. So um, I have peruse this. It's full of tables. It's basically, I should really uh, describe why, what it is. It, it's a, a game, like most of my games, it's a fantasy role-playing game. And this one is very much um, inspired by the books, the fantasy fiction of Michael Moorcock, uh, which is reason enough to buy it for me. And as I say, it has this very simple system it's player facing as the black hack is. That means the, the DM, the the games master or referee, whatever you want to call it, doesn't roll attacks against the players. The players roll defenses, and if they fail their defense, they roll damage that they take from that monster, uh, which is a uh, quite an interesting idea. So you know the 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 games master never kills players in this game. It seems. Um, and uh, it has loads of ideas, loads of tables for creating your world and villains, and also uh, magical swords, rune swords, particularly feature in this game. So uh, quite an interesting system. No idea when I'll get that to the table if ever, but if um, if I start running games, there's certainly a lot of material there that I can recycle and adapt to whatever uh, old school style game that I might be running. It's quite a slim volume. I got it in paperback, as opposed to the hardback of Warlock. And it only comes to about 73 um, pages. I think it was very, very cheap, um, or it should be fairly cheap. So you could probably pick that up on Drive DriveThruRPG. Um, not sure if you can get it from Amazon. Uh, certainly if you're in America, these things are gonna cost you a great deal less. So, um, Next up, and this is something that did cost me an arm and a leg, and actually uh, so I've still got to settle some of the uh, the bill for this. It's a copy of The Lost Dungeons of Tonisborg by Craig Svensson. <laughs> I, I can't speak or read. Greg Svensson. Now, Greg Svensson is one of the first players of Dungeons & Dragons. In fact, Greg um, was the first player to have a character come out unscathed from a dungeon as far as we know the Blackmoor dungeon that was being run by Dave Arneson one of the creators the co-creator of Dungeons and Dragons game uh, when it originally came out in 1974. So the Lost Dungeons of tonnisburg is an official Blackmoor setting apparently which is uh, wonderful and the dungeon actually dates back to 1973 making it well, pre-Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, also one of the, one of the oldest uh, fully sort of extent dungeons uh, that we have from those early days. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine. I guess Blackmoor has been fairly well developed in various publications, but I'm not quite as knowledgeable on that. Now, this game, um, this is a game, actually, yeah, so it's a book, it's a dungeon, but it's more than that. It's more than that, and I should really devote a whole episode to this. Um, basically, uh, there are three parts to it. It's uh, history. The first part is about the history of the book and the dungeons and so on. The second part is about uh, old school play. Um, it's looking back on the on the um, the gameplay, how you actually run. The the words are eluding me today. How you actually run a role-playing game, a dungeon crawl, and all these other ideas that are really central to the fantasy role-playing experience. Um, And it's going back right back to basics and explaining some of the very clever ideas and tricks that players and dungeon masters, games masters, can use in their game to breathe life into it and to increase the amount of immersion in their game. So that's the second part. The third part is the actual dungeons. There are 10 levels to this dungeon. Um, I'm not sure how uh, how developed it is, but the, the the original maps are in here as uh, color plates, and it also has beautifully uh, redrawn uh, maps. Now, the, the maps are quite fascinating because they're not like the typical Dungeons and Dragons maps of the, the late 70s or early 80s that we are all very uh fond of or, or or familiar with if not fond um they 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 are full of all sorts of kind of oblique angles and uh, and yeah uh, like um not not the typical east west north south kind of um, layout at all it's much more kind of uh, organic perhaps or or um angular is a, probably a better word um dungeon layout. Um, and um, quite fascinating it looks. The idea is that you build the dungeon partly yourself. So the, the, the basic um, treasure and the monsters and what traps and so on are keyed into the dungeon. Um, but the idea is that you develop the dungeon, you adapt it to your needs. And also that you uh, organically, I've used that word again, organically develop the dungeon as a living thing um as your players continue to delve within it um so that's an interesting idea is that the dungeon is a continuing um, venue for the adventures of your characters that they continue to raid into the dungeon for specific reasons uh, to gather certain items or information perhaps just to gather treasure or whatever um but that it's continually evolving and adapting. Um, you know, any DM worth their salt is familiar with this idea, but the way it's presented here in this book is uh, very f- refreshing indeed. Uh, and the whole book is is written for people who have a familiarity with role-playing games to a certain extent, but they might be quite new to it. Um, and if you want to make a dungeon, uh, if you want to run a dungeon adventure, this is not an, not an inexpensive way of doing it, but it is a very full experience because after the dungeon, we then have full rules of play. Um, now, these come from something called the um, Z rules, I guess, the Zero Edition rules um, that have been put out previously, and they're f- more fully developed here. They're kind of like pre- um, pre released D and D zero first uh, zero edition rules, plus a lot of home rules that would have been used at the time around the time. Um, I'm not fully un- fully uh, aware or certain whether these rules are the wa- rules that were kind of rules that were being played by the Blackmore group back in the early seventies or not. Um, but they do look very interesting indeed, um, and if you know anything about. The uh, OD&D, the original Dungeons and Dragons rules. Well, these seem a little bit more robust, um, a lot more fleshed out and uh, very, uh, very interesting indeed. So that's something I really need to um, do a whole episode on. And um, then it's at the end, it's got a uh, part five is the treasure, including magic items. Um, as I said, it's a full game dungeon, everything and and system of play, uh, philosophy of play, if you like. Part uh, six is the Creatures Fantastic and Mundane. Part seven is the Book of Spells. Fantastic right at the end. Some interesting changes there. I see clerics have access to sleep spells. There's no magic missile that I can see. Uh, Quite interesting. Uh, Part eight are the Appendices. Um, so there's some additional rules here. Some of them added in by Griff. Um, Griff, you may know, is the one of the directors, the creators of Secrets of Blackmore documentary, a, a fantastic documentary. I thoroughly, thoroughly uh, recommend that. I have actually mentioned talked about that in uh, previous episodes of this podcast some time back. Um, and uh, yes, uh, there's a recommended uh, list of uh, further resources as well. Index, list of tables. Uh, a wonderful book, but as I said, uh, not for the not for those struggling, uh, struggling day to day. It's uh, quite expensive, but f- a full game, a full game and uh, setting, and the tools for you to create a campaign going forward, uh, and a campaign that is very much rooted in that old school tradition, which is what this uh, episode is largely about. So if you have any um, anything to add about these uh, books, or if you'd like to know more about any of them, I'm very happy to devote an episode to discussing the rules of these games. I understand that simply going through the my purchases like this is uh, not so useful to you, but, you know, let's use it as a springboard. Um, now, there have been some changes to uh, to the Anchor system that it's no longer easy to call in. But you can still catch me. You can still contact me, rather. Um, and I'm going to discuss that a little bit towards the end because I want to move on to the next session before this takes up too much time. And now I have something you never asked for. This is, of course... An unboxing. Now, I have no idea what's in this box and, of course, you can't see it. So I can always delete this afterwards if it's uh, something that's completely irrelevant. But the unboxing is uh, an old tradition, of course, and this is an old school Renaissance October uh, episode. And this goes out to Jason, who I think is probably the first person to do um, this kind of uh, unboxing through the uh, through, through the medium of podcasts. So um, you have him to blame. Okay, I've got my knife here. I'm cutting to the side. Um, I'm not gonna cut away. Uh, I'm cutting away from me, but to the side. All right, Jason. Okay, so I've got the box here. I'm just gonna let's slice this. I don't know if you can let's see if I can get the sound there for you, because you know, you need the sound, right? And let's open it up. It's a very big box. It's from Kuro Kuro Neko Takyubin. Uh, Kuro Neko Takubin is a black cat delivery service, a very famous delivery service here in Japan. And it is exactly, it is exactly, hopefully you can hear what I wanted and more. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right, I am pleasantly surprised and this looks in fantastically good order. Okay. You need a description of this. I've got to be very careful now. I ordered a copy of the third edition RuneQuest uh, box set. Well, a book of Griffin Island. Uh, Griffin Island is a a campaign setting. Um, originally, it was called Griffin Mountain, um, and that was a that was set in the world of Glorantha, which, as you know, is the the official, the original world that was used for RuneQuest. Now when it came to third edition RuneQuest was being printed by Avalon Hill, I guess licensed out by Chaosium. Uh, in the UK it was basically uh, under the... it was licensed to Avalon Hill and Games Workshop and Games Workshop was in charge of uh, really putting that out to the British market. But what I have here is the American edition of the third edition RuneQuest Griffin Islands. So they changed the name from Mountain to Island and they took it out of Glorantha, and it's a full box, and it looks like it's in tip-top condition. I don't know how old this is. I think it's possibly nineteen eighty-one. Um, it has no, it has nineteen eighty-six copyright on the back. I don't see any wear and tear on the corners. Oh my goodness! It looks like it's brand new. Um, it was listed as good condition. Now, on most things uh, on Amazon or uh, if I'm ordering from overseas, if it says good, it's usable. <laughs> you know, this looks like it's in near mint condition. All right, we'll see though. We'll see. So I'm going to have to open it up now, and this is going to be a longer, longer one than I expected. Um, I'm going to take off the plastic wrap, um, and and then I'll get back to you once I've freed everything from its uh, from its, um, you know, uh, bonds. So one moment. Okay, and I'm back. Well, a quick shout out to the Traders Guild. The Traders Guild is a online shop um, in Japan. Here, um, it is Traders Guild. I am just giving you the the English pronunciation, but it is actually an English word in the English words. And uh, yeah, it looks like they carry all sorts of old school games, fantastic, and imports from uh, from overseas old school games from in English. So that's fantastic. I definitely need to check that out. And it's thanks to them, as far as I can see, that I have this game. Um, So I got it from Amazon Japan, but Amazon Japan has all these, um, works for all these different companies. Here we go. Game Booker is actually the the, uh, store that I went through. Um, It's a local store. I guess Amazon takes a cut. Can't help, can't have everything. Um, But, wow. Okay. Okay. Oh, man, there's still got all the the original kind of questionnaires and stuff in this box. The box is in perfect condition. Um, I'm taking the lid off. The lid, all right, I'll give you. It's got the, um, it's got Griffin Island at the top. Our, our RuneQuest gateway. It says Griffin Island is a supplement to the RuneQuest role-playing game. You must have a copy of either the RuneQuest player's box or the RuneQuest deluxe box in order to fully use Griffin Island. Well, I've got both of those. Wonderful. Okay, it's a wilderness campaign for RuneQuest, apparently. Um, wonderful. Right, it smells a little bit musty. It's been away in storage for some time. And I've got a pack here in plastic again. The bottom of the box has um, a description, as you'd expect, of the product. It's got one of the maps of uh, one of the localities. This has been moved from part of the continent of Genotila, if that's pronounced correctly uh, in Glorantha, to an island so that the players have to work within a, a confines uh, rather than uh, tr- able to travel across borders. So in the plastic wrap, you know, let's just get this thing as well. This looks like a, oh, wonderful. I've got the, so we've got the, oh man, this has got to be, st- have been in storage and then they picked this up. Eh? and uh, not been able to sell it on, I'm guessing. So I have a Avalon Hill Game Company um, postcard here that I can send to Baltimore and ask them for information about, um, or I can give them feedback on this game, whether it's too simple, just right, too complicated. I don't think they care anymore as they don't cover this game. Um, so. Wow, what's that? It's nearly 40 years, isn't it? <laughs> 40 years ago. I have the Games and Parts price list, effective February 15, 1986. Oh, wow. For the Avalon Avalon Hill uh, Game Company and Victory Games Inc. Don't know. Victory Games has got the RuneQuest stuff, all the stuff and the prices. Uh, if only we could buy these things at these prices. Loads of... Um, war games as well as you'd expect from Avalon Hill I'm just going to put this on the side I should really take care of this okay now I have uh, several booklets one marked read me first which looks like a fold-out map so one side the front side is read me first and then it looks like it's going to be a fold-out map Um, I don't want to do open this up one-handed but yeah it's a, a black and white map from the look of kind of peeking in and it describes the different items that are in this set so it is it includes a main map which is the other side of this page well inside of this uh, page fold out page a player's handbook handouts excuse me player's handouts no cover games master book color cover and scenarios book color cover okay so um the oh wow right the the, the handouts book definitely need to get a hold of um, PDFs if possible, because I don't want to chop this up. <laughs> it's in beautiful condition. In fact, it's amazing. It hasn't been chopped up. It's got maps of all the towns and uh, citadels that we can visit, uh, and uh, various sort of um, myths, I guess, and uh, job descriptions, prices. I'm not quite sure. General information put it to one side Um, we have the Games Master book um, which is has a different map should be noted the players map and the Games Master map are very different Um, there's rumours and stuff filled out on the players map um, whereas the Games Master map doesn't have the rumours and um, has more correct placement of places and so on Um, the scenario book Wonderful. It has uh, a number of locations, dungeons and other things within there. And I'll just go to the first page. It has minor encounters and major encounters. It has encounter tables, yes, encounter tables. and um, it's got some of the uh, some of the creatures that you will encounter there, um, some of them specific to this to this world. Now, if I recall correctly, the original game, the original version, which was Griffin Mountain, obviously is set in uh, Glorantha, but the third edition one, which is what I have here, actually has orcs running around in it as well. So there's a big big clans of orcs and stuff. So that'd be quite interesting. Um, I'll have to decide at some point whether I want to run this as the original mountain um, using some of the PDFs that are, are now available from chaosium and elsewhere or whether i w- actually want to run this as uh, as it is um as a as a something outside of rinquest maybe using mithras that's what i've been thinking about all right um okay so you know it's it's in near mint condition and it wasn't particularly cheap not, not what i would call cheap personally but uh wow um yeah it's good good value for money I think um, if I bought this from Noble Knight or some other dealer say in America uh, the prices for such a good condition uh, would probably be about the same or higher as what I paid and remember uh, I think I only paid like two 200 yen which is what a buck or uh, it's about a buck isn't it yeah just over a buck for a postage, um, and then the postage is crazy now, international postage. So on top of the, the, the yen to dollar uh, rate, you're getting hit by the, the postage. So um, I would say this is a fantastic purchase. Um, very lucky to see this online. Um, I totally failed my impulse control saving throw, and I thought, wow, I'll just grab it. And now I'm glad I did, and I think I'm gonna take a look to see what other um, old RuneQuest uh, items that Game Booker or the what was it Traders Guild have uh, have available, because um, I mean, pretty much everything I've bought from secondhand dealers that's in English in Japan has been really good condition, uh, really, really good. Uh, sometimes like yeah, basically mint condition. So fantastic, beautiful box. My goodness, what a surprise. That's my unboxing for you. A little bit long, but I'm going to wrap it up here. And again, if you have any questions, I can delve into this in a future podcast. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to finish off the podcast here today. Thank you for joining me. I know I tend to ramble. I don't really have much of a script for the uh, episodes that I run, as you know, um, because we still hold that guerrilla podcasting is really important. And we don't want to make these things perfect artefacts and products, or at least not all of us do. The idea is that you can make it yourself, kind of like DIY. And I suppose that brings us back to the beginning of the episode, which was partially inspired by osr october so good luck to all those involved with osr october and uh, i hope they'll continue to put out episodes every day some sometimes that and i'll do my best to catch up with the with the uh with the podcast as they as they come out or after the fact probably so Let's see, um, yeah, I don't really have much more to add. If you have any calls, uh, sorry, if you have any, yeah, if you have any calls, if you want to call in, if you want to write to me, please do so. The Anchor app no longer has this ability to to leave calls uh, on your device, um, which is a shame. You can do it, I believe, if you're online, if you do it through the computer, but the sound quality is a little bit iffy, I wouldn't really bother. Um, what I would suggest is that you send me a recording of your voice, if you know how to do that. Um, well, yeah, just drop drop um, an an MPeg file or whatever it is that you use, and put that in an email and send it to uh, Scott Kyoto at yahoo dot com. Kyoto. That's S C O T one T in I N. Kyoto, K-Y-O-T-O, all as one word, at yahoo.com. Now, is it com or C-O-J-P? That's something I'm going to have to check, but I'm thinking it's dot com, not dot C-O-J-P. Yeah, dot com, yahoo.com. That's one way you do it. So um, if you don't know how to do that, well, you know, you just get on your phone. If you have a phone, uh, if you have access to to these uh, crazy little terminals that we carry around with us, you just uh, if you know how to record your voice. Um, if you don't, check look it up. But you can record your voice, and that file can then be uh, sent. Usually, quite easily, you can click on a share item and and uh, plop that into a into an email and send it, keep it down. I mean, you can keep it as long as you want, but remembering that you're going to have to send it on your phone and, you know, um, maybe that's easier at home. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, the smaller the file, obviously, the less hassle we'll have if, it, uh, if, it, if it's really long and it goes over the, the limits that are set for email communication, right? That was a long way of saying, drop me a call, wasn't it? Uh, you can also contact me as old at old shabby gamer i am i go under the name of many on on twitter and at old shabby gamer old shabby gamer one word is the tag that i use you can contact me there you can send me private messages uh, send me emails do whatever you want uh, if you have any questions if you want me to follow up on anything or just talk to me on the online when i'm on twitter i'm usually there i try to keep out of trouble um, but it's not easy, is it? <laughs> um, as you know, as you know, uh, there's a great deal of uh, a great deal going on in the world, um, economically, as previously mentioned, and politically. And one would say, might say, or should say, perhaps that economical and political uh, things are the th- same. Well, I've got my my uh, my Stevie Ray on in the background there hopefully I'm not going to get in trouble here. Um, I should probably turn the volume down. Uh, it was quite quiet in the end there. Hopefully not breaking any uh, copyright. Um, uh, I can always take this episode down, right? Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, take care of yourselves. And uh, yeah, I hope to put out another episode at some point soon. I've got games going on all the time. I've got Warhammer Fancy Roleplay this evening. I've got uh some, I've got the maybe maybe penultimate session of my RuneQuest Glorantha six seasons in Sartar campaign tomorrow. So it's all happening, it's all happening, but I won't necessarily expose you to all of this. Um I will talk about it if asked however. So without much more ado uh I'm off. Uh, You have a good day or evening or whatever time it might be. And uh, I'm going to probably cook up some lunch. All right. Okay, until next time, take care now.